0: Brant Brant Rest in peace, Brant oh. oh, we should cut that I just started recording oh, you record it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real funny Well, Abe's so excited that he's doing ham bone <coughs> on his thighs right now mm. So why don't you intro us and the show and what we're going to be talking about uh, You
1: got it The year is 1998 It's as if a whole millennia were to say, wait, I'm not done <laughs> the Coen brothers need to put out one more masterpiece. That was in '99? Wouldn't we yeah. be better for that? All uh, right. Well, that was the mummy. See, okay. it just is the gift that kept Kevin. Uh, but in '98, they made a little movie that's become kind of a cult following. There's even festivals. A convention, surrounding it. yes.
0: The Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski. Welcome
1: to Coen Brothers, brothers. I'm Abe Epperson.
0: I'm Michael Swain. And we are the Coen brothers. Brothers, Brothers, where we analyze the film The Sisters Brothers every episode, (laughs) every episode (laughs) (laughs) through the lens of the philosophy of Joel Um, and Ethan Coen. Yeah. Chronologically, philosophically, very confused premise. Yeah. Um, No, we are talking about The Big Lebowski. As always, we'll be analyzing the film through the spectra of diegesis. What happens in the film? Pedagogy. What did it mean? And how'd he do that? How'd How'd he do that? How'd they do that? (laughs) Fun behind the scenes facts. So... First is Diegesis. Uh, I'd like to think everyone listening to this has seen The Big Lebowski. Otherwise, stop this now. Yeah, come on, people. Because I want to be allowed to quote the movie, and you should not hear these lines out of context first. You need to experience it for yourself. Why do we keep giving this caveat every time? It's one of the crown jewels of the Coen Brothers empire. I think almost everyone agrees. Abe, on the last episode, you said it was your favorite of all. Yes,
1: I was telling you outside... It's kind of like the Christopher Guest movies uh, between Best in Show or This is Spinal Tap or A Mighty Wind. Uh, For the Coen brothers, maybe Oh Brother, this one. There's a few of them that whatever is the last one I watched Mm. is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, And Big Lebowski, in order to do this podcast, I
0: watched recently. And every time I watch it, I go, God damn it, it's a perfect film. I'm saving that distinction, favorite Coen Brothers film, for way late in the run because there is one that I genuinely I know feel what that it is. I want to save it. Um, and no, it's not No Country, which is the obvious pick, uh, although that's a great movie, which we'll get to later. So, what happens in this goddamn movie? <laughs> Basically, uh, I want to give <clears throat> I want to give the opening monologue uh, because sometimes it's a very important. That the film is uh, bookended, I would say, by Sam Elliott, who you will know as the Stranger, the quintessential cowboy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than Clint Eastwood, I think like he is cowboy, his mustache
1: man who is at the bar, at- and
0: his voice is even more cowboy than Clint, in yeah. my opinion, like iconic. Um, but he delivers. He appears only at the beginning and end. And in the beginning, he gives this opening narration monologue as we watch a tumbleweed, first joke of the film, great joke, Mm -hmm. a tumbleweed roll through the desert over a hill we think this is a cowboy movie, but then the tumbleweed rolls over a hill that's looking over Los Angeles. You realize it's a Los Angeles movie. The tumbleweed rolls all the way through Los Angeles <laughs> to the beach and rolls into the ocean and disappears, <laughs> which just couldn't happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Why is it what are you doing in the beach? But uh. meanwhile, Sam Elliott is saying, Way out west, there's this fella I want to tell you about, Jeff Lebowski. You see, sometimes there's a man. I won't say a hero, because what's a hero? But sometimes there's a man, and I'm talking about the dude here. Sometimes there's a man, well, he's the man for his time and place. He just fits right in there. And that's the dude in Los Angeles. Wow, lost my train of thought there. Ah, hell, I don't introduce them enough. <laughs> and then the movie starts <laughs> which is perfect it's yeah. like uh it's perfect it's it says what
1: the movie's going to be about and we meet jeff lebowski is who is known bunch primarily
0: as the dude yeah the duder el duderino yeah
1: so it's like film noir that uh never everything is everything's kind of a red herring that's like kind of what it is it's like chinatown where nothing really mattered and people <laughs> were
0: just like fucking off and trying to get money but like Nothing really happened. Yeah, so the dude is Jeff Bridges in a role that would come to define him for many of us. Jesus, yeah. Um, He's had some other great roles, but the dude is just, oh, no one else could do it the way he did. And he's this stoner, slacker, robe-wearing, middle-aged guy living in L.A., Bouncing rent checks. Drinking white Russians. Bowling with his friends. Being a functional alcoholic. Trying to do nothing. The dude just abides. He just abides. (laughs) And as you'll see, unlike... uh, Yeah, I think Abe nailed it right on the head. This is their first of, I would argue, two movies, the other one being Burn After Reading, where the whole game is, let's Rolodex everything that would happen in a PI film noir and then undermine it in different, ingenious ways. And one of those ways is that... The dude who would be our PI and like is the guy who is drawn into a web of mystery. Yeah. <laughs> never does anything or wants to do anything yeah. or is trying to do anything. Well,
1: he wants
0: he wants he wants know, his rug, rug bag. Reimbursed. They really tied the room together, but he doesn't even want that until. And I think this is why they give him. So the dude is part of an awesome comedy trio, him, Steve Buscemi, and John Goodman, who are respectively Donnie and Walter. And I think one of the reasons they give him Walter is because, if you notice, he doesn't even care about the rug till Walter's like, no, we have to do this. And he's like, okay. It tied the room together. The dude just does what what comes up in front of him. And Donnie (laughs) doesn't exist, really.
1: He's this ghost of an event. He's an absolute non-character. Yeah,
0: Donnie, played by Steve Buscemi, is a character who only interjects lines that get interrupted that could be cut without affecting the film. Often repeating what was just said, literally what was just said. And, of course, by the end, he'll be the one character to tragically die that we're supposed to feel pain about, which makes it, again, very much like a film noir where the P.I. never gets through unscathed. There's always some innocent who dies, Mm. and it really hurts. In this case, it's undermined by the fact that it's not the femme fatale. It's not a tragic innocent. It's some guy who was just hung around there and he was just there. there yeah. And it's kind of like when Maude Flanders died in The Simpsons where you're like, you know, he was just always there and we thought he always would be, but now he's not. I guess that's sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the inciting
1: event of this movie is that, it. well, I mean, first off, it's 1991. That's one thing. The dude is at uh, home, and he's assaulted by two hired goons, by the porn magnate. Hired goons? Uh, who think that he is... The porn magnate, uh, Jackie Treehorn. Jackie Treehorn. Start remembering Think that he later. is the millionaire, Jeffrey Lebowski, who is the titular Big Lebowski. Right, so they have uh, an but identical not the name. the dude.
0: The dude is poor, uh, there's a rich Lebowski. And
1: he, so the Big Lebowski's wife, Bunny, owes money to them. And then they realize they have attacked the wrong person because he's not a millionaire. Uh, But they, you know, like rough him up and woo one of the henchmen peas on his rug, which really tied the room together. Uh, The next day, the dude explains to his friends that this crazy shit happened. Yeah. uh, Who are in a bowling, on a bowling team together for a local bowling tournament. Walter encourages. that the dude go see the Big Lebowski and like get the rug money for the rug or get the rug back because it really tied the room together. Right,
0: like the Big Lebowski ran up debts to this porn magnate and they piss on your rug? He should reimburse you, is his logic. Yeah. And to begin the cavalcade of line drops that I think we'll both do, Walter convinces him with one of my favorite John Goodman performances because Walter is this unstable Vietnam vet who goes from zero to 60 and back to zero like at the drop of a pin. Caller you never New York. fucking know. Caller so New York. about, the, yeah, about the, about the rug, he says, it's not about the rug, dude. It's about, and here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about drawing a line in the sand and you say across this line, you do not. Also, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature because <laughs> he just called Wu a Chin- it's like the, Chinaman, the peed Chinaman peed on my rug. On my rug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so What are you talking about, dude? Donnie, you're out of your element. You're out of your element. <laughs> you're like a child walking into a movie. Uh,
1: so so he, the dude who abides is convinced by this and pays a visit to uh, the Big Lebowski. At his mansion. Who's this kind of uh, surly, uh, elderly, wheelchair ma- millionaire man. And he's looking for compensation for the rogue. So uh, he meets, and uh, of course, because he's a slacker, this uh, well, first off, he meets Brandt, who's like Brandt, Brandt, who's the uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, who is just I guess is like assistant, right? Yeah, and uh, he's just taking him around. My one of my favorite scenes, just taking him around the wall to show like the Big Lebowski while they're waiting for the well, Big Lebowski his accomplishments, to some and certificates and, and shit. yeah, and uh, he like shows him his picture of his children. Uh, one of my favorites. They're not literally his children. They're the the little Lebowski urban achievers, inner city children of promise, but without ne- necessary means for a, necessary means for a higher education. <laughs> so Mr. Lebowski is committed to sp- sending them all to college. Like he's just a very he does. Philip Seymour Hoffman does one of the most amazing things with this small performance that I've ever seen. Yep. He's just loyal to a fault and there's things that like give him character but no more than his voice because he does these things where when he makes a mistake or someone interrupts him, he's too polite that he has to go back so I want to point out the uh, inner city children promise, but without the necessary means for necessary means for a higher education. Right. Like he has to go back and say necessary means. The other thing he does is he goes, mm. yeah, all <laughs> the time. he laughs like way too politely. And we
0: talk about dialect a lot with the Coens, and I really think, uh even though on the surface it appears there's no dialect in this film, there is. Because if you read the script as it's written, on the whole it has like way more interruption, interrupted Mm -hmm. lines than your average movie. So, like, interruptions and fucking up what you're saying becomes the dialectic Yeah, it becomes,
1: and it's a timing thing,
0: too, and it's it's just hilarious. I love when the dude is just playing with different certificates, Mm -hmm. so Brant can't keep up with trying to tell him about the things he's touching. This key was given in recognition of his various, uh, oh, well, that was given. Yeah. <laughs> like He's trying to stop him from messing up. And shit it concludes, up.
1: of course, with Time's Man of the Year with the reflection of the dude. Of it? the dude, and he's pleased by this. Yeah. So he gets in to meet with him, and he requests that uh, he say, like, he, they thought I was you, and they peed on my rug. I'd like a rug. And He, he gives him the whole,
0: like, greatest generation. I just want to understand this,
1: sir. Yeah. Every time a rug is
0: mercuriated upon in this fair city, I have to con- compensate the owner (laughs) uh the dude in that scene says he goes like i think that's unreasonable if you don't mind the dude says i do mind the dude minds this will not stand this aggression will not stand which is just because he saw well in the intro he saw the famous reagan speech on tv Right, the aggression will not stand And Uh, and then the big lebowski says you bums are all the same. You look around in the filth you've created and blame others for it. Did I did not blame anyone for the loss of my legs, sir. Some Chinaman took them from me in Korea. And you can see the dude flinch. Because in the last scene, he learned that Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature, right. but he decides not to bring it up. <laughs> right. But
1: you can tell because that's something that the yeah. dude does throughout the film is he repeats things that other people have said yeah. as his own wisdom, uh, which is kind of amazing. On his exit,
0: he sees Bunny who's doing her nails. Well, it's important to point out that he exits the office and Brant says... So oh, what yeah. did Jeff Lebow- what did the big Lebowski Before say? Before he
1: exited, he goes, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just bails because he's been called a slacker and he's clearly not oh, a yeah, the Oh yeah, Charles Ernie
0: he yells ahead of him, Yes, that should be your slogan, sir. Fuck it. Fuck everything, you yeah. bum. As he likely. <laughs>
1: Brandt says how'd it go? He says it went great. He Takes told me sooner. to take any wreck I want. <laughs> so in this case, the slackers did win. Uh but of course that comes up a little bit later. Uh yeah, yeah so, as he
0: exits, he sees Charles Durning's very young wife, Bunny. Played by Tara Reed. Trophy wife, yeah. yeah uh,
1: who is doing her nails, which is a plant and payoff because later they send a toe.
0: There's some toe, actually. Uh, and we see that, yeah. So, Second point is. Cohen film in a row that involves kidnapping yourself. That's true. I just realized Right that, back yeah. to back.
1: Back to back kidnapping yourself. Uh, although she technically didn't do anything. No, she, you're right. But the topic is addressed. Everyone thinks she kidnapped herself. Uh, She just went to Vegas. Everything
0: in the movie resolves to nothing happened. That's the point of the movie. That's the point of the movie. (laughs) So he's out there by the poolside. She hits on him uh, very grotesquely, which upsets Mm Brant. He also sees Peter Stormari passed out in the pool, who uh, we'll later find out his real name is Carl Hungus. I just want that out. Yeah. Very early on. Um, Who's yeah passed out, drunk on
1: yeah. drinking Jack Daniels. She and,
0: offers to suck his cock for $1,000, so we get the impression that her marriage to Charles Durning isn't going great. But Brant can't watch. Oh, yeah, well, the lines are, I'll suck your cock for $1,000, and uh, Brant says, ha, 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 this is Bunny, wonderful woman. And she says, Brant can't watch, though, or he has to pay 100 And he says, that's marvelous. <laughs> that's <laughs> he marvelous. He just can't. What a joke. Yeah. She's so... Colorful. So we cut back to the bowling alley. Uh, we find out, as an aside, the beginning of this B-plot, that Walter has this weird, submissive relationship with an ex. His ex-wife, who he's been divorced from for five years, and she's remarried. Still wears the ring. Still wears the ring. He's still Jewish, even though he only converted for her. Mm. He's watching her dog while she's out of town. Mm. Oh, the important thing in this bowling scene is the gun getting pulled on Smokey. Okay, so they're speaking of going from zero to 60, they're bowling, uh, it's a tournament game, which is very important to Walter. And he perceives that one of their opponents, Smokey, stepped over the line and says, market foul, dude. And Smokey keeps saying, no, it was, it was like an, an eight. eight. Market eight, dude. And Walter pulls a gun <laughs> in the bowling alley, points mm-hmm. a gun at his head and says, market zero. And Smokey marks it himself and is like, Jesus Christ, you, are you happy, you fucking psycho? Um, At which point, Walter says, it's tournament play, dude. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Which is one of Walter's go-to catchphrases. Because you're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. Yep. Maybe my, I think the most wise line of the (laughs) show. We could all learn so much from that. Um, But they get into the car while they're arguing about Smokey. (coughs) Also great lines. Dude is telling Walter, you really shouldn't have pulled a gun on him. And Walter immediately backs down and is like empathetic. Mm -hmm. He goes... uh, you shouldn't have pulled a gun on Smokey. He's a pacifist. That doesn't exempt you from dealing with confrontation, dude. But he has issues. You mean beyond just pacifism? Yes, he's fragile, Walter. Very fragile. I didn't know. Oh, that. I did not know that. <laughs> like, or he wouldn't have pulled yeah, a he gun. Yeah, wouldn't have pulled a gun on him if he knew that he's <laughs> fragile. Yeah. Um, so cops pull up as they pull out. Uh and, yeah, you take over. Tag me in. Uh, so, well, it's a few days later. Lebowski contacts the dude. It's a hard plot to describe because, again, it's kind of structureless. Like, this just happened. Now, yeah, th- you're unaware of if days have passed. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. wearing
1: the same clothes, more or less. Uh, you know, everyone has signature sunglasses or robes. or. Structurally, it's a slacker they wear, of a movie. They wear, you know, bowling outfits. So, yeah. it's like, they're, they're, you're not really sure. Um, but... According to the synopsis, a few days later, <laughs> uh, he's gets a call from uh, the dude gets a call from the Bigalovsky saying that Bunny's been kidnapped, and he wants the dude to deliver a briefcase of the a million dollar ransom uh, and see if he can recognize the culprits. Because- Assumably, because he's. The only type of that element that uh, I, the Big Lebowski has witnessed recently. This is—it's
0: going to turn out to all be a lie. It's all a lie. But I think there are other excuses. He saw the two henchmen of Jackie Treehorn's, so he can confirm or deny whether Jackie Treehorn did it. Mm-hmm. That's what the big—that's what Brand says. It's like you can ID the henchmen of Jackie Treehorn if you do the handover, handoff. Yeah. So that's why we want you. Um, of course, they they say we don't care about the rug and we'll give you like a big finder's fee if you do this.
1: I also love that later a different pair of thugs appear in the dude's apartment, knock him out, and take his rug that he stole from the Big Lebowski. So now the rug's been diff- and these will turn pissed out- on, and then the new rug yeah. has. Been these taken. will turn
0: out to be Maude Lebowski's thugs. Right. Everyone's is, got thugs. Maude yeah. is Je- the Big Lebowski's daughter. This is all unspooling. They bowl again. They're going to bowl a lot. Get used to it. Because this is the the DeJesus scene Uh Um, played ably by John Turturro. DeJesus is a purple clad registered sex offender with like a long ponytail and a single purple nail who dresses very flamboyantly. I love that
1: his intro is they play a Spanish guitar version of Hotel California by the Eagles, which the dude hates.
0: Yeah, I hate the fucking eagles. Yeah, the fucking eagles. It's Spanish language. Uh, yeah, Hotel California. He licks his bowling ball as if it's a clitoris <laughs> yeah. and then bowls a strike. Um, Walter tells a long story about how he's a registered sex offender. Uh, actually uses the term pederast because Donnie ducks in to go, what's a pederast, Walter? Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Uh, one of the most brilliant montage
1: cuts, top ten to mm-hmm. me, uh, uh The cut when he when they're explaining that when he came to L.A. he had to tell everyone in his neighborhood that he was a kid diddler, Mm. and they cut to it. They still play Hotel California over it and stuff like that, but they cut to it, and he's just walking down the street, and he knocks on the door, and the door opens, and And it it cuts right as he like inhales. Like he's, you know, what he's gonna say is he's his next line is. I'm I'm a sexual predator. I'm a sex offender. Yeah, Yeah, but you don't need to see that. And so it's just one of those beautiful mundane moments uh, efficiency. I don't know. It's just one of those Coen Brothers things. I can't put like I can't explain why it's like good or bad or not. It's just it, when you watch it, you notice it as different. Although
0: at the same time, I question the efficiency of having the flashback at all. It was interesting that they felt the need to shoot a sequence of it. It definitely makes Jesus hilarious because then, then, then z- we cut back to him. Well, and this is for pedagogy, but just to put your mind, then I zoom out and wonder does the Jesus need to be in the movie? Like, Does, why does Donnie he need to be
1: in the movie? The, what movie are we talking about All right, here?
0: okay, so... Am I wrong? Am, you, am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong, Abe. So at the same bowling session, they're shooting the shit, and the dude comes up with what I believe is his only act of deductive reasoning in the film that he does himself. <laughs> right. Is he says, you know, man, I assume this chick bunny just <coughs> fucked off with her friends and sent the ransom note because her, like, Decrepit old husband keeps her on a tight allowance and she wants money from him. And uh, Walter th- immediately assuming that this is absolutely true, like yeah. it's proven to be true, he's like a true friend, flips out and is like, That's offensive. That's this fucking woman wants to just soak up the money that my men, my brothers died, brings up the rug Vietnam, again, yeah. and they took your rug, yeah. Um, oh. Uh, the Jesus line We're gonna fuck you up, man And the dude says Well, that's just, you know Your opinion, man <laughs> It's just like um, So anyway Walter basically bulldozes the dude And says I'm going with you on the drop But he doesn't tell him what his plan is And is the next thing that they Show up at the drop I think the next thing is yeah. He gets a phone call And they show up at the drop They, yeah. they get a the, a phone call saying come alone. How dumb the dude is, I don't care. He should have known better than to even let Walter come. Right, but, you know, the dude abides. So Uh, he swings by Walter's house and picks him up.
1: And now Walter's already, now we, Getting into uh, the segment for well, the rest of the movie. Plan. <laughs> the
0: rest of the movie, though, the dude just
1: now he's really just winging it. He just people reacts did, to whatever happens. Yeah, people yeah. now now that the plan has been hatched in other people's minds, like this must be what's happening. Yeah, he has no agency. Right, he's literally not in the driver's seat of his own car. Right. Uh, so yeah, and so Walter hatches this plan mainly to uh, fill a
0: briefcase with his uh, dirty underwear. There's whites. What's in that case, Walter? It's the ringer. What do you mean? What the hell is this? It's my dirty undies, dude. My laundry. The whites. (laughs) The whites. Uh, And so they drive by, they get a call uh, by the kidnappers again. Since this is just Bunny and her friends, and you know they're not going to ever, they're not actually going to hurt her, let's keep the money, tell Lebowski that we gave it to them, and And they're criminals. Maybe they're lying. Who knows? Meanwhile, we trade a ringer. And he goes, but how do we get Bunny back, man? And he goes, that's the brilliant part. As we're handing off the ringer, I grab one of them and beat them with a pipe until they tell us. And he's like, brilliant plan. (laughs) Yeah, good plan. Um, But then the kidnappers call and say, you're about to pass a bridge. Throw the briefcase out the window off the bridge. Yeah. And Walter's like, we can't do that, dude. That ruins (laughs) our plan. And the dude's like, that's not our plan, man. Yeah. Fuck you.
1: (laughs) And also on the phone he says we, me and the driver.
0: Like, oh yeah, they he, go come alone and he goes, "Well, where are we supposed to meet and you?" And he no? hangs
1: up on him, but then I love the little detail of they still want the deal to happen like so it's like low status, like yeah. criminals. Like they're they're like all right, you didn't do what we said you do, but
0: let's still do it. So then, cuz they're bad, they're nihilist. Walter, without conferring with the dude, rolls down the window, throws the ringer off the bridge grabs the wheel and like Tokyo drifts the car to a stop still planning to run over there and catch one of the guys and beat it out of them but the guys all have motorcycles so they just drive away yeah with the it's just one guy with the the, guy just drives away with the bag with the dirty underwear underwear Yeah, Yeah. yeah exactly and now the dude's like what the fuck do we do, man? They're going to kill her, man. And he's like, you said it yourself. She kidnapped herself. And the dude's mm-hmm. like, I don't know that. I was just, like, shooting the shit with right. you. After all of this happens, the obvious thing
1: to do is to go bowling. So yeah, they, do, yeah. they go bowling. They
0: say, fuck it, let's go bowling. Yeah, which at
1: the conclusion of. Which is
0: basically, I realize bowling is their equivalent of, like, Sherlock Holmes taking laudanum and playing the right, violin. Right, It's where they figure out their they PI hatch shit. plans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, but at the conclusion of that bowling. Uh, oh night, yeah! Uh, sorry, we forgot to say, Walter hands dude an Uzi, and right. also has an Uzi, which he drops out of the car, and it just fires in all directions. Right, right. <laughs> sorry, right. go ahead. Like, because it's a Looney
1: Tunes. <laughs> Uh, at the conclusion of that night, the dude's car is stolen with the actual... With the money in the money trunk. Inside, the real money. The briefcase, yeah. which is inside the car.
0: He uh, files a police report. The police say, we'll probably never find your car. Right,
1: because, yeah.
0: And he proceeds to do nothing and wait to see what will happen next, which is when Mod Lebowski's thugs come... We have ...knock him out rug. and steal his rug again. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: and that's played by Julianne Moore.
0: <laughs> yep, the brilliant Julianne Moore... Who, fucking
1: love her in this.
0: Who basically, expl- well, she's a super avant-garde <laughs> va- vagina-forward artist who's like, like my. I think the most quintessential interchange when she meets the dude is, yes, my art is very vaginal. Does that cause you discomfort? Many men find it hard to say vagina, even just saying the word. And he goes, what, vagina? <laughs> right so that's the kind of lady we're dealing with here. But she's also... The Big Lebowski's daughter, and she blows the lid off. Now, follow me now, because this is noir shit. Mm -hmm. The first layer of lies, which is that Jeff Lebowski is nobody. All the money came from his wife, her mom. He's never worked a day in his life. He's a piece of shit, basically. He loves to act rich. And the only way he could have paid Bunny's ransom is by embezzling from the charitable organization that she, Maude Lebowski, runs, and she suspects he's embezzled much more. Mm. So her whole interest in this is getting him caught and fired from the board because she cares about the charity, which it turns out is Lebowski's kids, Lebowski, the college charity mm. Brand mentioned. She so even though she's really severe and alienating, she's a hero. She's you know she's the, to one, do the only right one thing. who's like the adult. Right, and her goal is to bring justice into the system and fix things uh, for the sake of children who do not have the necessary uh, uh, necessary means <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to acquire higher education. Um, she also says, we took the rug because I love that rug. Sorry, you can't have it. Like, as a child, I liked that yeah. rug, so I just took it back. <laughs> uh, I love
1: the interchange the first time the dude meets Maude, which is, Maude says... Do you like sex, Mr. Lebowski? Dude responds, excuse me? Sex, the physical act of love. Coitus, do you like it? I was talking about my rug. You're not interested in sex? You mean coitus? (laughs) Yeah. It's just, once again, the repetition of dialogue. uh It's like, and it's also perfect in this movie because... Once again, we know this about the dude. He repeats things that he's heard. This one just literally came two seconds he, before.
0: You would know for sure he just learned that the word, word. Yeah. And it's or he's reminded it. that it exists. But like it's like someone with a word a day a calendar. Yeah. Like the way he betters himself is, oh, I'm gonna use that word. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah. And this aggression <laughs> will not stand, man. Uh, she says sex is a zesty, rugged enterprise, which yeah. is the least a feeling. It's a male right. myth about feminists that we hate sex. Um And then she puts on a porno tape, which the dude at first thinks she's just being weird, <coughs> but she assures him there's a point to watching it. It's called Log Jammin', Bunny's in it. And then Carl Hungus, a.k.a. Peter Stormare, the guy he's been dealing with about the kidnapping, comes in, in the scene, in the porno. And one of my favorite dude lines that's apropos of nothing is he goes... Oh, I know that guy. He's a nihilist. <laughs> Cause he when he called him to threaten him on the phone, he said, "I'm not. You yeah. better be scared. I'm a nihilist. I don't believe in anything. We'll cut off your Johnson." Your Johnson. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, I, I just want to point this out that there actually is mm-hmm. a porn version of the Big Lebowski that was made by like Vivid Entertainment, and I want and they're in that movie there's as a, a joke. There's a log jamming reference Uh so if just if anyone can like put your (laughs) brain around it technically the Big Lebowski is a satirization of film noir okay so what you'd be watching if you were watching the log jamming sequence inside the porn movie Uh would be a parody inside a parody inside a parody inside a parody of a satire yeah because it would be log jamming, <laughs> right, right. porn log jamming, porn movie, normal log jamming, <laughs> normal, normal, normal movie, movie.
0: Which is a satire. Satire. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Mod explains the bunny was cheating with Jackie Treehorn, who's another old creep. He's basically the, um, who's the dead playboy guy? He's a Hugh Hefner. He's analog. a Hugh Hefner, yeah. Um, and that blah, 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 he was embezzling the money. Let's get through the plot. Uh, so she says now what she wants him to do is get the money back. And he goes, well, fuck. The money's in the trunk of my car, which was stolen, (laughs) but I'll see what I can do. Um, She sends him in a limo, which doesn't matter, to drive him back home. Oh, it does matter because the limo driver, this is one of my... He gets
1: two limos in the movie. This is
0: one of my favorite subversions of uh, noir tropes, is in every other movie, the PI, of course, at some point would be in a cab or a limo, Mm. look in the rear view and say, oh, shit, I'm being followed. We Mm -hmm. need to take evasive maneuvers. Instead... He stares in the rear view mirror the whole scene and the limo stops and the limo driver goes, hey, did you notice that blue beetle has been following us the whole time? And the dude goes, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we first find out that dun, 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 someone is following the dude. Yeah, And we're like, well, what the? F- whose interest is this in now? Because it could be Lebowski, it could be the nihilist, it could be Jackie Treehorn, or it could be Maud. Of course, it's a- of course it's none of them. But we don't even find that out it's, yet.
1: Yeah. Um, it's John Polito,
0: <laughs> right? He immediately gets pulled into a second limo <laughs> by <laughs> the, big the big Lebowski and Brant and yeah. his thugs, and he lies immediately. He says, "Hey, man, we dropped off the money. I don't know what happens after that." Uh, and he says, "You know." Things have come to light. A lot of ins, a lot of outs. I need more time to get to the bottom of this case and suggests, for the first time to Lebowski's face, has that ever occurred to you that maybe Bunny kidnapped herself? Uh, And says, you know, of course they're going to say she didn't get the money because she wants more. Hasn't that ever occurred to you, man? I mean, sir? (laughs) Sir. Lebowski gets obviously very livid and says, no, that had not occurred to me. And Brant immediately says... That had not occurred to us, dude. (laughs) Like, I also love that Brant's so polite that when the dude says, I prefer to be called the dude, he accepts it immediately and always refers to him as that. Um, Later on, when they really think she's dead, uh, Charles Durning will say, this is our concern. Her life was in your hands, dude. And Bray goes, her life was in your hands. That's our concern, dude.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I also want to point out that in terms of scenes, he's the most non-main character ever because he does does exactly the same thing in both the scenes with Maude and the Big Lebowski. He's Smithers. He literally has the line with Maude Lebowski where he says... uh, uh, this is a very complicated case mod, you know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, <laughs> yeah. a lot of what have yous and a lot of strands to keep in my head, man. A lot of strands in the old duder's head, <laughs> yeah, a lot of strands in
0: old duder's head, <laughs> which is the Sherlock Holmes way of saying the, the game is afoot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, he, so they obviously also want the money back and to find out where bunny is. He says, can you give me the $20,000 finder's fee you you promised me, even though I failed the mission, (laughs) which is just the balls on the dude. Right. And then they pull out an envelope full of cotton, and it has a human toe in it with the same nail polish that we saw on Bunny's foot. And Charles Durning's like, what now, dude? Obviously, Bunny was really kidnapped, and her life was in your hands, dude. (laughs) Hard cut to coffee shop. Maybe the only time they don't mull something over while bowling, they mull it over at a coffee shop.
1: Yeah, that was an, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. The
0: diner counter scene could have been another bowling scene, but it's just not. I don't. I wonder why. Is it because it's Saturday? Maybe it's because it's Shabbos. He doesn't ro- bowl on he Shabbos. He doesn't roll on Shabbos. Oh, maybe because they. This is a scene where he they discuss Shabbos, I believe. But the big takeaways from the scene are yet again. Walter, the bad influence friend, is going to push the dude to do something stupid, Yeah, which is basically, Walter still thinks Bunny kidnapped herself, leading to the classic line, that wasn't her toe, dude. What are you talking about? I'm saying that wasn't her toe. You want a toe? I can get you a toe, dude. <laughs> Believe me, there are ways. You don't want to know about them, dude, but I can, by three o'clock this afternoon, I can bring you a toe with nail polish. These <laughs> fucking amateurs. Yeah. Uh, he keeps saying that the kidnappers are fucking amateurs, and they have to show them that they can outmaneuver them. Um, also, that they're nihilists. And he goes, "She could be dead." And he goes, "No, no, dude. What we have here, it appears to me, is a series of victimless crimes. <laughs> there's already been embezzlement. Someone's toe got cut off. Like, <laughs> there's been victims. But, uh, yeah, but everyone did it to themselves in a way, like with yeah. their own stupidity." Uh, Waitress asks Walter to lower his voice He says it's his right to be as loud As he wants in the diner Because quote I got buddies who died face down in the muck So you can enjoy this family establishment So I'm staying I'm finishing my coffee Enjoying my coffee And the dude is like Leaves out of embarrassment Mm -hmm. So that's how we get out of that sequence We cut to the dude In the bathtub smoking a joint The phone rings Yet again it's a voicemail um it's the LAPD saying they found his car. He chokes on his joint and almost <laughs> drowns in the tub. <laughs> Cuz this could solve all his problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh then maybe the only time the dude finds a clue as a private investigator. At the junkyard he finds out his car's fucking totaled. The briefcase is gone, but in the back seat there's a crumpled up piece of paper That's a D minus homework assignment by some eleventh grade snot nosed kid. Yeah. So he and Walter decide to go put like the hurt on him. I love it again. Classic noir is you gotta like you finally got to get your hands dirty and torture someone for information. Information. Theirs is an eleven, like a fourteen year old boy. Larry Sellers. Yeah. Uh, They show up at his house. You take it. And
1: they see they noticed a car. Uh, that's a nice car outside before they walk in and they say ah, that he's probably already spending money. Uh, of course, that is going to not be his car. <laughs> yeah. uh, wonderful performance by Larry Sellers, the little kid who just stares like... Absolutely emotionless as the dude and Walter sit down and talk to Larry in such a way that they literally say, We did not want you to like assume that we were cops, but they're very much acting like they're cops. And like Walter even ha- is wearing a suit, which and is aviators, yeah. Which every other he scene wears. he's wearing, like his typical t shirt like, and jorts. shorts, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, but what's amazing is that, just like any other scene with Walter, it just it jumps from this calmness of like, we just want to know where you put the briefcase to straight up just screaming at a child, yeah, well, you know what then now this is gonna happen
0: <laughs> but by, by far, the best interchange while it's escalating is uh. These lines that can't make sense to Larry, they only make sense to us. The viewer. Right. Walter says, look, Larry, have you ever heard of Vietnam? We know it's your homework. And then the dude says, they'll cut your dick off, man. And like Larry can't know what they're referring <laughs> well, yeah. to. Him. But he's, stu- he's
1: unfazed, <laughs> yeah. I want to mention. So finally says, well, now this is happening. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. And then He, he says goes that a, many times. He says it many times because he runs out there, grabs a baseball bat from his car, and then starts going to town on this red Corvette that is not even Larry's car. It's his neighbor. It's his neighbor's yeah. car, <laughs> who then steals the bat from Walter and starts beating the shit out of the
0: dude's car. You kill my car? Fuck you, I kill you, car.
1: <laughs> also, uh, you know, of course, I think it's a meme at this point, but um, it's known to be one of the biggest... Like faux pas or memorable like yeah. overdubs for censorship. For the clean TV version. Yeah, instead of uh, this is what happens when you fuck stranger in the ass. If you watch the clean version, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the
0: Alps. Yeah. yeah. Uh so it's up there with that exists hippie haiku mother tracker. Doesn't Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh yeah. So that guy busts the dude's car up with a crowbar. I think <laughs> another Mr. noir Falcon. That's another true. noir trope to pull out is Usually the P.I. would get beat to shit over the course of the movie. I Mm. think his car embodies that his car barely runs, but still does. And you see it progressively get beat more and more to shit. Uh, dude on the phone with Walter at home, he's boarding up his door. He says, no, Walter, it did not look like Larry was about to crack. (laughs) So clearly like Walter wants to pursue the case and the dude doesn't. He goes, leave me the fuck alone, Walter. Yes, I'll be at bowling practice. <laughs> right, they're still buddies. <laughs> right, so then uh, the guys from Jackie Treehorn, the thugs who the peed original on his rug yeah, in the woo. first scene, come and kidnap him and say. Jackie Treehorn wants to talk to you, Lebowski. And we know which Lebowski you are, Lebowski. We're not confusing you with the other Lebowski, Lebowski. Which is still not true. (laughs) Uh,
1: Because they want to get money from Bunny.
0: Uh, Uh, Yeah, because Jackie Treehorn, that was true. She does owe Jackie Treehorn a bunch of money. And now Jackie Treehorn's just wondering, look, I don't care if she's kidnapped or not kidnapped. Where the fuck is she? Where's my money? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we get an intro to Jackie Treehorn,
1: which is like, taken out of like the 60s we mentioned Hugh Hefner the it Playboy starts with a slow motion trampoline scene with a woman who's topless as they like are having a psycho beach party kind of yeah. equivalent and he lives in this like i mean it honestly looks like uh like some malibu glass yeah you know like he owns the entire beach kind well, like of like where they lived in the area. incredible's too if you saw it um that. <laughs> so now What we don't know yet is that he drugs the white Russian that the dude is drinking while talking to the dude to try to find out where Bunny is. Which is funny because the dude... Now, he doesn't
0: know where Bunny is. But the dude already told him the complete truth, which is funny. Before he drugged him, he goes, where's my money? And he goes... Oh, uh, well, it's this kid, Larry Sellers. We got his address. Mm-hmm. We didn't have luck, but I'm sure your thugs could beat it out of right. him. And as he's passing out, Trey like, 15 year old kid, you think I'm going to believe that shit? I know you have the money, Lebowski. Mm-hmm. We know he doesn't.
1: Right. Which then turns into a drug addled uh, dream sequence, which is one of the best dream sequences. On film ever, but I'm gonna blip right past it because I think Patagogy. it actually has meaning. Yeah. Yeah. So he wakes up and he's in police custody now because he's running down the street, street. He's running
0: down the street, being chased by police, which is means Treehorn like let him go. But I just want to know what drug he was on that he can have that dream and yet come to running from running police from, down the yeah, street. Yeah. Don't yeah. know. Don't know. And
1: Ruffed then up by the sheriff. The sheriff, which I, I want to read. There's just some great lines lines in there, yeah. Uh, The guy who plays the sheriff of Malibu, (laughs) which is where Jackie Treehorn Uh, lives, presumably. Yeah, exactly. Mister Treehorn, this is the dude. Uh, Mister Treehorn treats objects like women, man. (laughs) And then uh, the police chief, Mister Treehorn, draws a lot of water in this town. You don't draw shit, Lebowski. Now we got a nice, quiet little beach community here, and I aim to keep it nice and quiet. So let me make something plain. I don't like you sucking around, bothering our citizens, Lebowski. I don't like your jerk off name i don't like your jerk off face i don't like your jerk off behavior and i don't like you jerk off do i make myself clear the dude after a pause i'm sorry i wasn't listening and then he throws a
0: cup at him. the sheriff throws an empty coffee mug at his head and it just right off the door, bang. yeah it's like a very clean stay hit. out of malibu lebowski stay out deadbeat uh, uh, also i love at the beginning of that scene the first line is is this the only ID you have? And he has his Ralph's Club card. Is <laughs> yeah. the
1: dude's only
0: form of ID?
1: <laughs> which we we knew because that he was the probably scene in a Ralph's. Was him yeah. Ralph's. Which is just oh. great. Like one of the, once again, no everything's no loose ends on the dude, you know.
0: So the dude comes home to find his place trashed. Another classic uh, film noir trope. Right. Up, Julianne Moore is there, uh, just like in his dream. She's upside down. Like they copy the shot, which I liked. She just says, Jeffrey, love me. So they bone. Uh, so the femme fatale and the PI have finally consummated their relationship. But undermining the trope yet again, she quickly reveals that she just needs a sperm donor and she wants to have a child and she wants nothing to do with him and yeah. is not attracted and to him And he doesn't at all.
1: like that he protests the idea of being a father. Yeah. But uh, Maud is like, you're not going to be involved.
0: Yeah. I also love when they're making pillow talk, he talks about his accomplishments in life, and they're all like related to fake hippie shit. Like, I was at this protest. Yeah, I did that, and he goes, You, ever hear, you remember the Seattle 7? Yeah. That was me, and six other guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just a like, great... Like, uh, which is actually true. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a... Well, I guess we'll get into we'll that. Get later. Into
0: there's an actual guy that oh, they based sure. it around. Oh, we'll get to that. I was briefly in the music industry. What instrument? Rody? Metallica. <laughs> Um, So he tells her about Larry Sellers He's basically sicking everyone on Larry Sellers Mm -hmm. Like, look, he has some money, man It's not my fault And then could you give me a finder's fee for telling you where the money is He finally uh, leaves his apartment Smoking a joint early in the morning or twilight I can't tell And he sees the blue beetle And I guess he's feeling himself Because he just had coitus So he decides to confront the guy who's been following him Again, this goes nowhere. Yanks the guy out of his car is like, "Who the fuck are you? What the fuck are you doing? Are you Treehorn's guy? Are you Lebowski's guy? Are you Mm Maude Lebowski's guy?" He's none. And he's like, "No, Bunny's parents hired me to show her this house of her horrible home farm in Kansas because they want her to come home. She ran away from home at eighteen and became a porn star. Yeah, I'm just hired to like try and guilt trip her into coming home.
1: Yeah, but I love that he thinks that all like the dude is like." A master at being a private dick, like he—he's right. like, I love that you're playing one side after another and stuff like that. Like he thinks it's all intentional. So John Polito, who's just this guy who's just been falling around, is essentially the audience member without all of the specifics that we got. Yeah, yeah, the the
0: fact that he's just the dude—all lies. Yeah, he's never actually met him. Um, so the dude—I mm. was wrong when I said he only has one deductive leap. This is his other deductive leap in the film. The dude finally realizes that Lebowski probably picked him because he knew he'd fuck up and doesn't want Bunny back. yeah. And he goes and tells Walter, which is, why does he constantly tell Walter anything? Uh, This time it's because he needs a ride because his car doesn't work, but still, Mm. I would call Donnie. Um, He says, you know, Lebowski didn't have money of his own. He probably gave us an empty briefcase, hoping that the ransom was real and that the kidnappers would kill Bunny, then the another person who knew about his embezzlement would be tied-up end. Right. He could like get in, like a payout from the insurance company, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So, Walter, you threw out a ringer for a ringer, which also explains why Larry Sellers was so calm and didn't have any major purchases. All he found was an empty briefcase. He really didn't ever right, find no the money. money.
1: And then on top of that, we immediately find out that Bunny didn't even kidnap herself. She just took an unannounced trip. Right. So he goes uh, to Lebowski's and-
0: mansion to confront him, and Bunny is there having drunkenly With crashed her Corvette of her toes, into the fountain, because, and she has 10 toes.
1: Because uh, her friends, the Nihilists, faked the kidnapping and were trying to extort money from Lebowski. And they
0: never even kidnapped her. It's the equivalent of they're her close friends. She said, fuck my husband. I'm going to Vegas for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And amongst themselves, they decided she didn't tell anyone. We could do a fake kidnapping mm-hmm. and maybe Make the big Lebowski dollars. will give us money. Also, uh, so nothing one, was anything. Well, nothing
1: ever happened. In order to pull this <laughs> off, one of the, I think, Flea's girlfriend had to. No, it's a tall skinny guy.
0: Uh, had the one to, who I don't know his name. His
1: his girlfriend, played by Amy Mann, by
0: the way. Yeah. Uh, they cut her toe off. Right. So now they're dead set on getting some money. Yeah. Which is hilarious because, because they well, just kids, f- they feel like they deserve it. Right. Like, my girlfriend cut off her toe. We should get some money. And he's like, But you don't, you didn't kidnap anyone. You, you have no anything. leverage. And they're like, Fuck you. Give us money. My girlfriend cut her toe off. So basically, uh first, though, at the Lebowski mansion, he confronts the big Lebowski and he basically lays out everything we just said. Lebowski refuses to admit it. He says, You have your story, and I have mine. Uh, the dude says, you liar, you human paraquat, which is not even a word.
1: Yeah, which, uh, which is the only uh, improv in the entire
0: movie. Oh, is it? You yep. human
1: paraquat? It was invented on it's not the take yeah. uh, and very rare in a Coen Brothers movie. You
0: liar, man. Uh,
1: Jeff Bridges got one in. You like,
0: human Paraquat <laughs> The Coen Brothers loved
1: it, and they let it in.
0: Usually, if there's improv, they don't. And Walter, it, you never see it. Walter, it, who he foolishly brought with him, does a joke we've seen many times now. I think in various shows, yeah. but it's like, I bet he's not even handicapped, dude. Lifts him up, he falls over. He clearly, clearly was. That was true. Yeah. So
1: just to make them look extra, the fool.
0: Everything's over. The last thing is that they got disqualified from the bowling tournament because Walter pulled a gun. Cut to them commiserating at the bowling alley. Basically, the dude explains how everything was nothing, like in case you didn't follow the plot. And they're like, well, fuck it. There's nothing to do. Let's go bowling. They finish bowling, walk to the parking lot, and the dude's car is on fire. Mm-hmm. and he The says, Nihilists did it. Well, they did it. They finally fucking killed my car. They meaning like just events. Yeah, <laughs> just it. all the people against the dude. But in this case, it was the Nihilists who, as we said, they want money, Lebowski. <laughs> and one of them very humorously drops a ferret in the bathtub that claws at him. <laughs> and that's, of course, when they scream. We'll fuck you, Lebowski. We'll fuck you. We'll cut off your Johnson. <laughs> One of my favorite lines is when Walter uh,
1: says, "Cause he's just so angry that they're nihilists, cause they have no principles." Uh, cause in Which an is earlier what nihilism scene, nihilism means by the right, right, way, <laughs> uh, In an earlier scene, Walter says, "Nihilist, fuck me." I mean, say what you want about the tenets of National Socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. <laughs> Right, so he's saying it's better to be a Nazi because you believe in something. He's like, nihilist.
0: He hates the nihilist,
1: so he just goes immediately ham when he sees that they've killed his
0: car. I do like, so when they're squaring off, there's great lines. Uh, (laughs) My girlfriend gave up a toll for a million dollars. It's not fair. (laughs) And Walter goes, not fair? Who's the fucking nihilist around here? Yeah. (laughs) Like, if anyone should be able to accept that just a bunch of random shit happened, it's you. Yeah. Donnie, of course, is not up to speed, so he asks, Are these Nazis, Walter? No, Donnie, these men are nihilists. There's nothing to fear. Are you sure? Are they going to hurt us, Walter? No, Donnie, these men are cowards. <laughs> um, <laughs> this
1: is so great. And he
0: paints an image. Uh, one of the nihilists, played by Flea, holds up a boon box that plays German techno. Yeah. The other one attacks them, I think, with a sword. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And the other one has a ferret on a leash. Peter Stormier. Um They demand just the cash you have on you. They yeah, talk that'll them, be fine from a million dollars they're like a million dollars and then they're like the original ransom was only 80 alright give us 80,000 we don't have that alright just give us the money you have on you also the <laughs> the fight the fighting is amazing
1: because like the dude fights the tall lanky one with the, the ferret who just keeps kicking the air and saying I fuck you I fuck you I fuck you in the ass I fuck you uh, and then, but Walter takes care of most of the people first by throwing a bowling ball at Flea's nuts which just chest, chest chest which just immediately takes him down crushes his ribs. And then he bites Peter Stormare's ear off, and then the guy that spits it out and then into the, the guy air. the
0: dude is grappling with, he caves his skull in with the boombox as it's playing German. Techno. So like
1: Walter just <laughs> immediately just dispels all three of these guys. Yeah. Only to be revealed that during the scuffle we weren't focused on Donnie who has had a heart attack, and as they call nine one one, we kind of jump to oh he's dead. He's in. Yeah. A, they're in a funeral parlor, picking out urns.
0: Yes, and yet again, Walter causes a scene because they had X amount of money to pay for the funeral. They just want a an urn and a cremation because it's all they can afford. And the guy's like, uh, "The urn is one hundred and eighty dollars. It is our most modestly priced receptacle." Mm. And Walter is like I refuse to get ripped off again by these motherfuckers mm-hmm. have you been to Denang? have you heard of and the dude is like just stop man is there a Ralph's around here? so have, third Ralph's what does
1: fucking anything have to do with Vietnam? V-? No. Yeah.
0: so they buy a coffee can yeah and uh, like put Donnie's Dundry's ashes in a coffee can yeah yeah and they have a little funeral on the cliffs on the shore which we Donnie. learned
1: for the first time that Donnie was not only a great bowler but also apparently a good surfer yeah <laughs> he'd surfed all the way up and down the coast of California which is just a detail left out of the movie <laughs> until this why, point they're putting his
0: ashes there <laughs> and yeah. also
1: the to- only two things that we know because Donnie is a non-character so like he doesn't do anything uh We know that he bowls
0: and we know that he surfs. And
1: that's apparently all that Walter knows as well. Who's his (laughs)
0: closest friend. Well, he knows he died young because he says, but his (laughs) life was cruelly cut short. You claimed it, as you claimed the lives of so many of our men in Da Nang and Saipau. And, he's like, and the dude goes, damn it, Walter, man, you asshole. Everything's a fucking travesty with you, man, which is the best possible word. Everything's yeah, a travesty, travesty with you. What the fuck does anything have to do with Vietnam? Um Walter releases the ashes, which if you know how the wind on a cliff by the ocean works, they blow <laughs> Spits all Spits right back into the dude. In the dude's yeah. face. And he just goes, oh, dude. <laughs> and the dude flips out on him. Walter, I think the only Walter tender moment of the movie. hugs him. Does the thing where it's like, I'm going to hug you. And even if you push me away, I'm going to keep hugging you. And the dude finally hugs him back. And he says, "Fuck it, dude. Let's Fuck go it, bowling. Let's go bowling. Yeah, at the bowling
1: alley, we meet the stranger played by Sam Elliott. We've reached our book, and the cowboy who man is explains back. that sometimes the bear. He says." the bar it sounds like bar I've talked to people about this but like the scripted version is bear which is an old okay like cowboy expression
0: and it's yeah. confusing because the scene is at a bar right you have to look up the script and yeah. the line <laughs> is
1: sometimes uh, sometimes you eat the bar and sometimes the bar eats you and it's not a like at first when I my first viewing of it I thought I was like is he is this like about alcoholism or something and I was like no it's just talking about how day to day sometimes the thing the bear the proverbial yeah. Like challenge of life wins wins, and sometimes sometimes
0: you win win some, you lose some. You win some, you lose some. They run the gamut from hilarious to gruesome. In my life, I done caught some and threw some, but I done been in some shit. And this is one that I would never forget. So, Sam Elliott, brother Ali, Sam Elliott. Uh, Oh, I just thought you were just talking, and it happened to rhyme. Uh, I wrote this down, so I'll take it. (laughs) And and I like that the dude has his own version of that expression. How's it going, dude? Ah, you know, strikes and gutters, ups and downs gotta get back sure take it easy duder i know you will yeah well the dude abides huh. the dude abides then he turns to camera and says, I, but man sam elliott may have made me laugh the most right this watch through he's so funny the beginning and ending the dude abides i don't know about you but i take comfort in that it's good knowing he's out there the dude taking her easy for all us sinners I sure hope he makes the bowling finals. Well, that about does her. Wraps her all up. Things seem to have worked out pretty good for the dude and Walter. And it was a pretty good story, don't you think? Some parts were good to beat the band. Didn't like to see Donnie go. And at this point, you're like, is this a review, is this of, the a movie? review of the movie? Yeah. But then again, it's nice to know there's a little Lebowski on the way. Of course, that's how the whole human comedy perpetuates itself down through time, traveling the plains with, well, look at me, I'm rambling again. Bartender, you got any more of that good sass-barilli? (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end of Big Because he's just
1: Yosemite Sam. Uh, It's just a delightful little exit to that movie. Yes.
0: And now that we're into pedagogy, my first question is, why, or does there have to be a reason, or is there no reason? How does the fact that the opener and closer are so Western-themed connect to noir or s- Los Angeles or the dude? Why? It makes me laugh, so it's great. But why have a Western tint I tinge? think,
1: Because um, in the know. middle of
0: the movie, it
1: doesn't feel like a Western. It feels I don't like know. a noir. It, I, think it's, I think it's just tone. I think it's the fact that Los Angeles is a desert... Uh, but it's a unique desert because it's been most of what people actually see when and think of when they go to Los Angeles is it's all roads. Like there's no like animals here and stuff, even though it's just cause we ran them out of there and it's just like, uh, LA is a very strange place. It's also kind of Las Vegasy in that it's like everything's shining in lights. There's a '70s vibe down to to the car, the clothes. Even though it's in '91, the you know, uh, there's
0: a lot of but like if you parse it, it doesn't need. To but it be doesn't that need way. to be. No, I was wondering if maybe there's something to like, because the way he invites you to imagine the dude is, he is totally emblematic of the late. 70s late 80s los angeles slacker like he is the iconic one that's why we're following him and and sam elliott is the iconic cowboy so maybe it's like someone who was the iconic person of their time telling the tale of the next one or another one in the future i don't know That's not bad Um,
1: read bad,
0: but it doesn't like i do think this movie is a slacker of a script by which i mean all the time, the Coens say they just sit down and write whatever comes to their minds, and most of the time, I don't believe them. Like Hudsucker, fuck you. Serious Man, fuck you. But when they say, if they said, we just thought it would be funny, I would believe them for this script.
1: Right. I'd be
0: like, maybe they just realized that would be because hilarious. Because like the theme yeah. of
1: the thing. I mean, that's uh, several artists and filmmakers who are so good at what they can do. Uh, are able to break the systems that are typical convention of like you shall not, you cannot do that. And the one that the, the big one that they do in this is if you t- subtract Donnie from the movie and, and, and like many scenes as well, uh, nothing really changes except for the fact that they have a scene at the end about his death. He is an audience member, he's not an actual like character. Right, and which is think- doing nothing, which is one of the cardinal sins of
0: screenwriting. Yeah, whereas in noir, In a true noir, the character that dies, the reason you'd feel the loss is because they were so core to all the events that unfolded. (laughs) He's just there. But it works for this movie in the way that you were saying because largely
1: this movie is about plots not being motivated to get to the next level, like if it's a dungeon crawler, to get into the next room. The dude often is just like, someone deus ex machina the shit out of this, and now you're here. Now you're in a
0: limo. Now you got drugged. Someone calls you or literally sends people who physically take you to the next scene. Like, Mm -hmm. it's always just sit back and wait to see what happens. There are three exchanges where
1: the dude speaks directly to Donnie uh, because he mainly ignores him. The first is in the bowling alley at the uh, beginning where Donnie asks, what are we talking about? Twice. Mm Mm-hmm. He says it twice because no one no answers response, the first yeah. time. The dude finally responds, My rug! Twice. The second is the dude is walking home from the bowling alley. Donnie asks, Where are you going, dude? To which he says, Home, Donnie. And then Donnie says, Phone's ringing, dude. <laughs> yeah. And the dude responds, Thank you, Donnie. <laughs> Lastly, when Donnie asks, They were Nazis, dude? The dude replies, No, Donnie, they were nihilists. They kept saying they believed in nothing. Yeah. So, like, all three exchanges with the dude
0: are repetitions of information we already know, or... Donnie has to get caught up to speed. And then a final... down to the microcosm of everyone's favorite interchange, Lennon. It's just like, Lennon, (laughs) I am the walrus, dude. I'm the walrus. Yeah, no, but Lennon said, I am the walrus. Donnie! V.I. Lenin, Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov. Um, So Donnie always misunderstands and is asking for things we already know to be explained to him. Right, right. (laughs) And
1: so, of course, in this movie where nothing really does have substance, I mean, obviously things do because events happen, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's unhinged and people are really participants necessarily, or at least the dude isn't. Uh, It makes sense that his friend was completely non sequitur to the film.
0: Yeah. I also fucking love how brutal and how sharp the tone shift is when the inciting incident unfolds. You're like, this movie's so good at like, when the thugs come in, smash his head into the toilet bowl over and over and over, like that drowning in the toilet thing. And he, just the imagery's so well-conceived, He spills half and half everywhere. It like blood splatters across the bathroom. Uh, They say, where's the money, Lebowski? And he says, I think it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. So they keep slamming his head in the toilet. And they finally let him get up and sit on the toilet. And he just puts his sunglasses on, even though he's covered in half and half toilet water and indoors and it's night. And that postcard is like, You could put a good, the bad, and the ugly, like, the dude on it. Right. Like, that's like, and here's the dude,
1: yeah. Sitting on a toilet. And the
0: shit has happened, yeah. Um,
1: So... I actually, just found this. Ethan Cohen said it's in reference to uh, your question about Los Angeles. Uh, Ethan Cohen said we wanted something that would generate a certain narrative feeling, like a modern Raymond Chandler story. Who's uh, a playwright and a novelist who uh, was who noir focused, not western. Very, very well known as noir. Yeah, not fo- yeah. And that's why it had to be set in Los Angeles. We wanted a narrative flow, a story like a Chandler book through different parts of town and different social classes. Uh, but the use of the stranger's voiceover. Uh, Joel said, he's a bit like an audience substitute. In the movie adaptation of Chandler, it's the main character that speaks off screen. We didn't want to reproduce that, though. It obviously has echoes. So I think that, I think what he's trying to say is that. We ripped
0: it off, but we tweaked it. We don't
1: like the idea that Dude would do that. Oh, the dude would not narrate. Like it would have problems. He's too lazy to narrate. Yeah, he's too lazy to narrate. Uh, It's as if someone was commenting on the plot from an all-seeing point of view, and at the same time rediscovering the old earthiness of a Mark Twain.
0: Well, clearly, because by the end he's saying, wasn't that a good movie?
1: <laughs> yeah, as we go through time, and yeah. that's the story as it goes. You know, it's um, so it doesn't exactly answer the Western question, but it does make sense that it's about he's a generational, like, every man, the cowboy of that generation, uh, was an every man of that yeah. time, you know, for you know, the 50s and 60s especially. And this is early 90s And this LA, is early yeah. 90s LA, and it's like saying this is the
0: archetypal dude guy just person the dude dude, yeah the man uh did you notice that as the tumbleweed comically rolls into the ocean and when they go from uh beating him up in his apartment to him being a jackie treehorn's place it does the barton fink crossfade oh yeah very similar to the yeah Yeah. like we go from (coughs) that's right we go from like atwater village to malibu with the exact same crossfade to a, like a postcard That's shot of the waves. Right.
1: That's fucking right. There's a funny little uh, trivia bit about the Coen brothers in an interview. Were asked about uh, like what it meant because this has become like there are conventions. There's like there's like Lebowski con and like pe- dress up contests and it's like it's a whole cult and there's a, even a website and a community at like a forum. <laughs> called like the dow of the dude or something like mm-hmm. that i believe and it was all based about on this guy who i actually met once his name's Jeff Dowd and he's the actual Jeff
0: Dude. he's the actual dude how did they meet him and like come to write a thing based on I him i don't
1: he was a producer for a time and on Cohen projects or projects n- that Cohen, they, I think are er, coming up earlier, just like they mm-hmm. met through a party. They were career and the guy, uh, Blood Simple, yeah. I'm like I, I don't know the guy well. I've talked to him like once, and then later someone was like, you know, that's the dude, and he, mm-hmm. and he looks like the dude. I mean, he looks like him. First off, so you're Donnie
0: like, is what you're saying. Yeah, I guess I'm. You dying. don't matter in his life. No, I don't but matter. You know his, him. Yeah, yeah.
1: but uh, what's crazy is that, like, when you the Seattle Seven and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that's like apparently like true shit. Like from this guy's this guy life. would talk about that kind of stuff, uh, according to the Coen Brothers. Yeah, and uh, he he would drink White Russians and like invite you to his house or whatever, and they would he would just wear a robe. So it's like the attitude. <laughs> So the Cone brothers basically took the attitude of someone that they met and were like, that's a fucking interesting thing. We should make that into a fucking movie, I yeah. guess.
0: <laughs> Same thing happened with. Uh, well, they probably had that thought. They probably thought, man, that guy is the most. <laughs> they probably thought, man, that guy's the most emblematic late 90s LA guy we've right. ever met. Right. And that could have sparked the whole movie for all we know. That's, and it's another thing with uh,
1: the Jesus, is that was on like Miller's Crossing and Barton Fink. We talked about this recently on another podcast. Uh, They were just joking on around set about like Mm -hmm. he he did that accent, uh, John Turturro, and they were just like they just started rolodexing like things like what What are other things that the the Jesus would be? And it just became a like uh, like a a set meme. Eventually, at one point, someone said like. also, he's a sex offender. Yeah. And then they placed him in Big Lebowski. So mm-hmm. they
0: wrote characters like this just off the... the One of the other noir tropes that I think is so great is Julianne Moore. There's Echoes of Chinatown, which, if you haven't seen it, maybe skip 30 seconds ahead because spoiler alert for the twist in Chinatown, which you should see. Instead of finding out that the evil old man is more, even more powerful than you could have imagined, and he's amassing more power, and he abused his daughter. In this, you find out that the evil old man is pathetic and powerless and his daughter's very competent and fine and she's running everything anyway. Uh are you surprised at my tears sir? Strong men also cry. Strong men. Strong men also cry. Also cry. Um and then he's that's that's from the scene where he says bunny was just kidnapped, which I love the dude's off the dome response is kidnap fucking hey. It's a bummer. Bummer, man. that is a bummer. That's a bummer. <laughs> While he's reading the, yeah. Well he's smoking a joint Do you, and yeah. he's too high to read the ransom note, he's like, leave the money. <laughs> like, yeah. He's reading it like a stone guy. Yeah. Uh, calmer than you are. <laughs> oh, I also want to point out, we neither of us mentioned there's a line because I underestimated how cruel Walter <laughs> is to Donnie because Donnie never reacts. So, you, like, he doesn't just say, shut the fuck up. Walter at one point says, um, when he says, Walter, what are you guys talking about? Walter responds, Life does not stop and start at your convenience, you miserable piece of shit. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, real. And why the, are they friends? And <laughs> I love
1: Busemi's choice just to not like react to it. Just like, he's no, kind he of like take taken back, yeah. but he
0: doesn't respond. Can we take a moment to appreciate, because we haven't yet, in Coen Brothers Brothers, and it'll come up more and more as we go on, especially O Brother. One of their best tricks is, when they go looking for extras, they look for people who look archetypal or unique. They do not look for the type of extras that blend into the background you always see in every show or movie. Yeah, The extras in They're the fucking bowling scenes are so perfectly cast. Take a look at those extras. I mean... They intro the bowling alley for the first time by cutting to that dude's gut who's the Jesus' bowling partner and it's a glorious gut and like you know that guy got cast for right. that perfectly round bowler's belly. He looks like a fucking bowler. You know who that is, right? No. Sam Radie. <laughs> That's not a just an any extra. No, who is
1: it? In Deadwood, the guy with the he's buzz cut? the
0: captain. Which captain?
1: Captain I forget what his name is. What's the, his function? I don't remember him. He is the enforcer who, fight, who fights uh, uh, Dan
0: Doherty uh, in okay. season three. Okay, he's not Dan Doherty, but he's the guy he fights. He's the guy out. who gets his eye In the best out. fight of all time. Don't spoil it. Right, so. <laughs> but anyway, uh, back to, I just got to get to Jesus out of my system. Is Can we just chalk it up to the Western thing where again, they're like, we had this character kicking around, he'll work in this movie and no other movie, and it's funny, so put it in I think so okay, I think so I th- most of the time we'll try to get up our asses with like artistic analysis, mm-hmm. but I think the Lebowski defies that a little bit
1: well yeah, the only ones that exist are ones that are like intentional like abuses of information or just right. being wrong. But
0: I don't want to read into shit that you can tell they didn't even mean for you to right. read into. Right, <laughs> so it's like kind of
1: this weird slope where it's like, what does that mean? Well, it, nothing means anything in this. Yeah. yeah, but usually when it means nothing, it's like very specific, and they're not specific always. Like, for example, uh, you know, one of my favorite ones is uh, there's two animals in the film, if you can even remember. Uh, the Nihilists have a marmot. <laughs> Which is actually a ferret. Yeah, like they the call actual animal is. Yeah. They, but they call it a marmot, or at least the dude does. And then Cynthia's or Walter's ex-wife. The guy XY, with the marmot, man. <laughs> uh, says that he has a pomeranian, but when we see it, it's a terrier. hmm So I think it's not to like the dude's inactivity to the story in general, kind of like coming back to the center. Uh, he's just ambling through shit. He's wrong sometimes, most of the time. But in the same way that the thugs are wrong that he's the big Lebowski. Like, right. people are wrong very sp- specifically. Yeah.
0: I think they're just like, no, moment to moment, this monologue is funny. Just appreciate <laughs> the jokes in it. Yeah.
1: <coughs> Don't you think it's kind of weird that there's kind of like a psychological thing with Maud wanting a baby with a man who has the same name as, like...
0: Literally, first and last, Jeff yeah. Lebowski. Her father. It and- uh, never occurred to me. That's no, kind of weird. And I mean, she does, has him sent. Does that mean anything? To, she has him sent to a doctor. I think it could be a Chinatown echo, but it's the reverse of the classic Chinatown. Oh, that's clever. She impregnated herself via her father intentionally. If you reverse every adjective in that oh, sentence, wow. you have yeah. Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa. Um, so that could be it. But uh, it's interesting she would pick him at all. Like he doesn't even seem like strong genetic material. <laughs> but, but whatever.
1: She kind of offhandedly says at one point. Um, she sent him to the doctor and had like, him checked out. Like I like out. what your deal is, so your sperm will be fine.
0: Yeah, she doesn't seem that concerned. She's like, "Sperm, I just need some sperm." Yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk about the seminal piece of score, <laughs> "Man in Me." Did you hear two come jokes in that sentence? "Man in Me," "Man in Me." Um, that the dream sequences. Again, Fucking. I'm. i I'm, I'm. Part of me just wants to say they just put him in because they thought that would be fun. That's not true in Hudsucker, but it might be true here. Oh, good. Abe has a theory. You'll save the podcast. Mm -hmm. Because if you've seen it, you remember these elaborate, very cool, uh, avant-garde, like... They combine all the things of the movie. Like, you can tell that it's the dude's psyche because it combines bowling and Maude's influence and literally things he's seen in the background of scenes come into his consciousness. Like, he saw a topless chick on a trampoline, so now that's in the dream. And they all sort of mold together into these weird dreams that are usually the song Man and Me. There's another song that they use a lot, too. Um... That's him bowling and looking at naked chicks. Abe, what's it mean? Break it down for us. Uh, well, it's
1: less of a meaning and more of a
0: like strategy. A, uh, it's a, it, well, there's
1: just a lot of s- strands going on in this old dude's head. Uh, so mods an artist, right? Yeah, she's also the femme fatale, and that's and the dream sequences
0: feel like and art she's she, ab- she could have And yeah. she
1: has like a point, right? She she's very like, uh, it, I guess it would be called like feminist art, but it's abstraction. Like she paints. With abstraction, it doesn't. Uh, the The method matters, kind of thing. Because I would say there's like little mini sequences. Like there's one where he like kind of dances as he walks out. Mm-hmm. He has this kind of saunter and out, tiny. and he's got like they do like the Dracula shot or Nosferatu shot, where it's like his shadows on the wall. Big, but then he's and everything's tiny. like yeah. kind of they're aping a lot of different types of art styles. Uh-huh. And I think that uh, that's just the dude being like. he's into mod mods and artists he's dreaming about art shit. Also the
0: fact that in this dream, I get to see your cooch. Yeah. Yeah. Also,
1: (laughs) but also, uh, also just this idea that he's on drugs, at least for the saga one. Mm -hmm. Um, there's always going to be a little leeway in terms of meaning because it's supposed to be drug addled. Mm -hmm. But I do think that they intentionally chose just random art pieces to coincide with the idea of the randomness of his brain random pulls you know this aggression will not stand man he's doing the Mm -hmm. same thing with like art just like he doesn't really know about how anything works he just is pulling pieces of memory that he has and says that and just repeats it
0: why do we want that level of insight into his psyche for the purposes of this story i mean like like, why see his dreams
1: i think just stylistic approach like i don't really have an answer for you on that one like i don't think the cohen's e- do either i think there's no dream sequences in film noir there's no dream sequences not in Westerns. super notable no ones. it's not yeah. like a trope or anything no. uh i think it if anything it has to deal with the um the jackie treehorn i mentioned like the psycho beach parties kind of stuff yeah like it it's evocative of their the generation where there would be dream sequences because everyone was fucking doing lsd um I think that there's something there just in the dude's generation that that's like what they would do. But as other than a tonal thing, I don't think that there's any rhyme or reason. I think it's just, they,
0: they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah. Deacon's <laughs> fucking
1: kills it. And well, I guess that's how do you do that? How do get, how do you get a shot of a fucking POV shot of a bowling Rolling ball a That strike rolls over itself. Ball, yeah. Ball. yeah.
0: You buster Keaton <laughs> a bowling ball yeah, hole.
1: I'll explain that.
0: Um, I really like, you, we called out this line earlier, but in my notes I have the extension of it. Speaking of the marmot, uh, the line you said earlier, nihilist, Jesus, I mean, say what you will about national socialism, at least it's an ethos. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, dude, the keeping wildlife, I mean, an amphibious rodent within the city, that ain't legal either. <laughs> I want to point out, uh, the, w- or I want to
1: ask you a question about what do you think it means, or do you think I'm... Wrong and conveying it this way. There's a lot of talk about the nihilists and about like having no dream or consciously choosing uh, to will nothing is another way of saying a nihilist, mm-hmm. like just not believing in anything. Yeah. Uh, your main character doesn't isn't lack of. He's not a participant in his own thing, Story. and he uh, just yeah. simply abides.
0: Isn't the dude a nihilist? A little bit. I don't know. I'd have to hear him espouse his beliefs, which he never does. But he
1: w- wills nothing. He has, he has no
0: spiritual dimension whatsoever, I'd right. say. He just abides. <laughs> no like more. Like he's no a less. he's he's a philosophical, is what you're saying? Yeah, I don't think he represents a philosophy. I think he rep- he's like an animal. <laughs> like just doing what comes up. He's like a dog, like a lazy old dog. Just a mirror a of dog. the apparent chaos and meaninglessness
1: of the universe.
0: Unless Sam Elliott's his inner monologue, because that gives this whole weird dimension of like, he's walking around with this old wise cowboy in his head telling him stuff. <laughs> I mean, because I, I think you can interpret Sam Elliott as a guardian angel if you want. Only mm-hmm. he ever sees him. Right. Well, the bartender, the off-screen bartender seems to respond to Sam Elliot. So I, I also, guess that debunks that.
1: I also think that Maud is like flirts with nihilism too. Definitely. Uh because she's she's like the cynical schno- snob elite type uh and she looks down on like the ignorant people. Yeah. And uh the artwork is like very, it doesn't represent, like it's not, it's so abstract, it doesn't like represent anything to anyone who would be like, What's that painting about? Well, you have to know a thing about, she paints out of her vagina. Yeah. You know, like it It doesn't really, like, Oh, that's a flower. Oh, that's a tree, you know, like you don't. So she, I, I don't know. Obviously, she has a point, but I just think all the main characters have an element of nihilism mm-hmm. uh, because the Big Lebowski, he's just a puppet. He's right. He doesn't have. He has all these philosophies. Walter but,
0: doesn't believe in consequences, and Donnie Walter, doesn't yeah. actually exist yeah, in exactly. any real way. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's it's just something I noticed. Also, I don't know why they chose the opening sequence in Ralph's, where it's George H.W. Uh, Bush. mm mm-hmm. uh, Was in '91, and it's about the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. The
0: aggression yeah. will not stand. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means.
0: Weird thing. It could is just that be to posts, set the time period real fast.
1: Yeah. Someone pointed out online I was the dude post-states his check.
0: Oh, that's amazing catch, whoever saw that. Yeah. And uh, it's a great detail that he, he pays it, with yeah. a check for half and half, and he needs some time to get the money in that exactly. I'll just say this. If you like Sam Elliott's character in this I think he compares very interestingly to the character of Hank Grit from the Scud comic. Scud, also apropos of nothing, although later it's tied in, um, but it seems like a retcon. His guardian angel that only he can see is Hank Grit, who's like a Clint Eastwood type, who's his gar- like just speaks to him. What's Scud's partner in crime? Susudio. Susudio? Hank Grit turns out to be her dad, but... That's not really a spoiler. It doesn't affect that much. But I mean, that's how he nominally in the end, you're like, why was he here this whole time? I guess he's related to one of the main characters, you know?
1: So when we first see the two, uh, tree horn thugs, Wu and the other guy and they pee on the rug and then we see him later, uh, he's knocked out again and then they see him at his house, Mm -hmm. like they exit the, those are the only two times we see them. Just to show how interchangeable they are as directors, I just thought mm-hmm. it was a, a amazing choice. They switch their shirts. Oh, the two guys? Yeah. The thugs switch their shirts? They switch their shirts. That's all they do. Just to show they're wearing it. the same yeah. pants, but they
0: like he's now wearing his shirt and Woo's now That's wearing awesome. the other guy's shirt. It's Speaking of the Rugs, I also love something I only noticed this time. He's explaining to Jackie Treehorn, it's just this kid. This shitty kid, he just wanted my car. All I really want is my rug. It, it really tied the room together. And yeah. as he passes out, he spills a white Russian on Jackie Treehorn's rug. So right. he's ruining a rug at the he's same ruining time. A rug. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's all I got. I had ties to other movies, but we plug enough shit. We can get into how do Yeah. do that. Yeah, uh, the, man, there's so many bits that we haven't mentioned. Them all. Like the noir subversion of... The hard-on drawing, but if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking Got about. God,
1: yeah, that's so fucking funny.
0: Yeah, the Landlord's Dance Quintet we haven't even gotten yeah, to. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Which is a great spiritual su- precedent to the O oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? theater scene, I realized. Yeah. Same like comedy trick. It's uh. That's when they find Larry Sellers. I found this kid. He lives near the In-N-Out Burger. Those are good burgers, Walter. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Turns out the kid's dad wrote a bunch of episodes of Branded. Bulk of the series. Oh, yeah. Not exactly a lightweight. No. And then we'll get burgers, Walter. (laughs) Shut the fuck up, Donnie. But yes, we'll watch the what-have-yous, and then we'll get some burgers.
1: burgers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The what-have-yous. How'd he do do that? How did he do that?
0: You were going to tell us how the bowling scene was shot.
1: Yeah, to get the point of view. So there's a shot uh, in the dream sequence um, where it's like the bowling ball is in the gutter, and it—it's um, the shot before he gets sucked up into the one of the holes of the bowling ball, and it's a point of view shot where you see like, you see. A l- what the bowling ball is seen as it goes through the lane and then through the machine behind the lane and then into the gutter to get back to If you were
0: sitting inside one of the holes looking yeah. out of it. Which
1: is also another shot that happens at the beginning of the movie when they just intro yeah. Welcome to Bowling yeah. in the first bowling sequence. The way they did that is they actually built uh two little um like the two lanes, two adjacent lanes in order to get like the um uh, gutter, they had like these two little carts, and then attached between the two little carts, drilled through the bowling ball, was a uh, basically a barbecue spit mm-hmm. so it could rotate as right. it rolled. And they were kind of contingent on the same thing, so you could adjust the speed, right? And stuff like that. And and it would always speed roll it straight up down and post, the middle. and it would, yeah, you could always, and then put the camera on the rig. Or above the rig mounted, so you're looking over the ball, and they use that for all those shots. So, if they wanted to make it like you are the bowling ball, they would just replace the bowling ball with the camera. But they wanted to foreground, yeah. If you wanted the bowling ball spinning, yeah, and you're kind of behind the POV of the bowling ball, but still going in the same direction, which they do several times, they just would clamp it down to one of the carts yeah. and put the
0: camera up On like mounted onto the barbecue and let spin. the whole rig slide down and the then lane. You and just need people who drive it the pov shot out the hole <coughs> you cut a bowling ball in half and shoot through one of the holes right <laughs> yeah yeah cool man
1: same thing anytime you ever see a locker shot or a fridge shot uh in it's any movie in half, yeah. uh that
0: that fridge don't work anymore because the camera can't fit yeah. Yeah. Because people I mean, forget again, that cameras... There's from, nature documentaries yeah. where they have film and cameras inside. You're going to have a GoPro. Hills. There's GoPros,
1: but, but usually... Uh, it won't look
0: good enough for a film. If it's yeah, on TV yeah. or <laughs>
1: exactly. movies, it's probably at least four feet by four feet. Like a four-foot cube. Think of four-foot cube. All of that space is gone.
0: Yeah. Oh, he says to the guy in the iron lung, do you still write? <laughs> <laughs> do you still write that's right and a good day to you sir <laughs> yeah. uh, you're carrying this whole segment The
1: scene where Walter throws the ringer out of the window which is a perfect throw it's the one where it's the high, wide, and stupid yeah. shot of the car. It's a funny throw. It's a funny throw, and it like spins, and it like spins perfectly straight towards up towards camera. But so you also get the silhouette lands, of a bag. also lands right where you can see the guy in the motorcycle. And it doesn't
0: roll; it just lands and stops.
1: <clears throat> yeah, so it's like a perfect throw. Uh, they tried doing it normally, uh, and there's no fucking way that a stunt driver could drive a car, throw it. And then they tried, they take, hun- they tried they take to take hundred What if we yeah. had a guy in the back that we like dress in black it, and, the and does the throwing drives, it. Yeah. And then, so they try to, and this is the kind of shit that like the Coen brothers for all the things that we say about them. Uh, w- one of our favorite things, one of the reasons we, I think we both think that they're amazing is that they're absolutely the most prepared filmmakers. Sometimes you have a good idea and it just doesn't work. Like, that is just true about filmmaking. So there's nothing to prepare them for this. They're gonna have these issues. They tried a bunch of different things, and then the one that they found out that worked in order to get that shot was they filmed it backward, and then in post production reversed the film.
0: But how did so they, they launch the bag they from the ground it or the car? Back up the car. So someone's on the ground, hiding, no, holding just, the bag.
1: It was uh, just like.
0: Uh, or is there a an off-screen there? crew member
1: through the suitcase to the driver? Uh, the driver could then just worry about catching it and driving straight, and yeah. driving straight as opposed to throwing it yeah. and
0: driving straight, throwing it and hitting a mark. Not that
1: interesting. Just no,
0: it's the things that we go it's to. It's more interesting to people who don't know how movies are made. Yeah, but yeah, it's you've, all lies. If you. have <laughs> read a lot about filmmaking <laughs> that is not the first time that trick has come across my desk and that's often reversing, reversing things
1: yeah. uh like evil that De- that's a trick they learned from evil
0: dead because they we had, did it in our sketch uh, tech support
1: anytime you ha- like if you want to ch- film like someone throws a spear or someone fires an arrow at someone's yeah. head and it you show it going right up into the forehead and you or really see, like that, you see it it's clearly, a lot safer yeah. to just Reverse. Put the arrow on the forehead, mm-hmm. and then just back it up, and then later reverse it because it looks the same.
0: And now you aren't running at an actor with a sharp thing. If you're a master of reverse acting, which all actors must be, yeah, I mean, able to twitch their facial muscles in exact reverse <laughs> order,
1: right, right, or just be vacant and exactly be
0: still for that yeah. shot.
1: So that that's the only uh, the there's a limited number uh, amount of CG that was used in the um. Streams, Dream sequences, uh, like green screen and stuff, yeah. with him flying,
0: obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but very limited, very practical. The green screen of him on the magic carpet <coughs> flying over LA is actually kind of weak. It looks dated. Yeah. I mean, even the Cullens were limited by the technology they had. Yeah. yeah. I just don't know why Jurassic Park stays so... It still looks so good. I guess because dinosaurs aren't real, so you're not comparing It's because Spielberg
1: it is a genius when he thinks about the shots. because And it, makes it practical in CG. Because yeah. he, he knew that his limitations were that if it's... In Jurassic Park, the rules are, if you see the legs, it's, it's CG. It's a rope
0: Oh, oh, the reverse. Okay, if you just see part of it, it's a rope And you
1: don't see that that often. Yeah. And it's usually very wide, which is helpful for your... CG because you don't have to like I just saw the new like Ant-Man movie. Versus Wasp. The Wasp Ant-Man and the Wasp. Wasp, They team up. Where they like CG the faces of uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, what's his name? Michael Douglas. Mm -hmm. And to be younger. Mm -hmm. And they did it also with Tony Stark. Yeah. yeah And it's still in Canny Valley. Mm -hmm. And we're like getting good at it. But but, uh, but you show a wide shot of a T Rex eating a gallimimus.
0: Please. Well that's our Big Lebowski episode. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Say goodnight, Abe. <laughs> Good night, Abe. Good night.